Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how are we doing today? Doing great. It is the eve of the U.S. Open. Carson, I'm ready for some major championship golf. Yeah, we're going to do our U.S. Open picks. I have been knee-deep, uh, maybe neck-deep in uh, research, finalizing all my pool teams. I've got some good insight for you. I know you do through your work with Golf Channel and the 73rd Hole Podcast. So we'll get to some golf, too. But we also have some conference news, uh, some interesting quotes from Chad Weiberg and Mike Gundy to get to. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. All right, Colby. Well, we knew this was coming, but Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU officially will be in the Big 12 in 2023. So after this season, the Big 12 is going to look a lot different. Uh, there's many ways to, to talk about it, but just your initial reaction to, yes, in fact, Oklahoma and Texas will be here, and uh, so will Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU in 2023. It's pretty exciting for the conference. Yeah, my initial reaction is that it's awesome for the conference. It's going to be an electric uh, season, two seasons, three seasons. We don't know how long OU and Texas are going to stick around. Uh, but, yeah, while they're here and then you add those schools – it's going to take the Big 12 to 14 teams, and, and you're not adding rum dumps either. I mean, Cincinnati's going to come in, and I think Cincinnati day one with what Luke Fickle is doing is going to be one of the best teams in the conference. 2023, you know, boots on the ground, takeoff running. Uh, they're going to be right there in contention for the Big 12 championship. So uh, I'm really geared up. I mean, this season's going to be fun. It always is. We love college football. But you get that 14-team Big 12 that includes OU and Texas, however long we have that, I'm going to cherish it because that's going to be some fun football. It's going to be great, and the, the timing just could not work out any better for the Big 12 because, Colby, ever, you know, ever since the Big 12 dwindled to 10 teams, we've always for years been talking about, well, what teams could they add? What teams bring value? What teams are, are you know, football schools to bring in? And we'd always kind of throw names around, and no one ever would get too excited, but just the timing with Cincinnati coming off the season, the past two seasons, really, they've had, Houston under Dana Holgerson, they're stabilized. Central Florida, we all know their potential and what they've done in, the, in years past as well, along with BYU, who's probably the biggest name that wasn't in a conference to be had. I mean, the timing of all these programs and the status they have couldn't be any better for the league, you know, even with the fact that Oklahoma and Texas will remain in it for that, for that period of time. Uh, I, I will give a lot of credit, Colby, to their lawyers. <laughs> you know, they, they negotiated – an $18 million buyout per school to be paid over 14 years. I mean, that's just, that's a complete no brainer for these schools to get into a power five league and be able to kind of smooth out that payout process over that length of time. Yeah, it is. That's a great work uh, by the lawyers to get them over. And the sooner the better, right? I'm looking at uh, some recruiting rankings, Carson, if you want to get in the weeds, do we want to get in the weeds yet? Yeah. Br bring me to the weeds. All right. So I'm looking at recruiting rankings for the new look, Big 12. Now, now, 2022, Cincinnati falls just in behind the likes of Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State. But 2023, Carson, and this is early. These classes are far from finalized. But currently, Cincinnati sits at number three 
in the country in recruiting. Now, interestingly, for 2023, they're behind Notre Dame and Texas Tech. But what I'm looking at is four stars, three stars. So Texas Tech, three four stars, 15 three stars in the 23 class. Cincinnati already has three four stars, 16 three stars in that class coming up. You have to scroll down a ways. I mean, Oklahoma State down at 22, no four stars committed yet, nine three stars committed so far. So uh, I think that Cincinnati is really going to be able to recruit right alongside the Oklahoma State's Baylor, uh, Iowa State, those schools. I think Cincinnati is going to be right there kind of on par with those. Plus, you get the bump from going to the Big 12. Uh, I think Cincinnati's a real concern for schools like Oklahoma State and Baylor who want to run this conference uh, on the other side of conference realignment. I think Cincinnati could upend that plan a little bit. Yeah, and it's curious to me where Cincinnati will take foothold in recruiting-wise. Will they just stick to their region they've been recruiting? Will they dip into some Texas? you got to think that opens up some recruiting pipeline to Texas and the, the southern states for them. And there's been some, some critique of where the recruiting classes have ranked in years past, even coming off the last two years they've had. You, you just illustrated that it's clearly improving. And I just I equate Houston or uh, I equate Cincinnati, much like Oklahoma State, in that in years past they're typically ranked in the 30s and 40s, but they've clearly shown, much like Mike Gundy, that they can identify NFL talent. Look no further than this past draft when they had Sauce Gardner going super high, top top five pick in the in the NFL draft. I mean, Cincinnati to me has proven that their classes are even better than the recruiting analysts think. And I think that'll only continue. And I think the same goes for, for UCF and Houston and BYU. I think this obviously strengthens their recruiting moving forward and just really strengthens the conference as a whole. Cause Colby, you and I, we were, we were ready to pack our bags and get the hell out of here for any other conference. I, I truly do believe that with the way things have shaken out across the country, the big 12 is stabilized and that's before you even get into the notion of perhaps the, the college football playoff expanding years down the road. I'm not nearly as concerned about Oklahoma state's conference outlook and future as a whole, as I once was, you know, maybe dating back to the news when, when OU and Texas were leaving. How, how do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I think I, I feel similarly to how you do there. This, when it all first came out, OU and Texas are leaving all this stuff. I remember it's, it's weird. It doesn't seem like it'd be one of those. You remember where you were when that happened, but I was, uh, I was on a train platform in Washington, DC, riding the Metro into town. And I'm like, Whoa, big news to break while I'm on vacation. And I immediately first place my brain went was okay. Big 12 is finally going to die. Let's go. Let's go get in the pac 12 big 10 is probably a stretch. Let's go get in the pac 12 and, and let's get after it. That doesn't happen. All of a sudden, it looked pretty rough for the Big 12 for a while. Now, it kind of looks okay. I think that this conference, even without OU and Texas, uh, I mean, this conference is not going to be on par with the Big 10 and the SEC, I wouldn't think. But I think it'll be still right there with the ACC and the Pac-12 uh, just really needing a team to become the Clemson of the Big 12. Now, do any teams in the Big 12 have the money and the resources to become that Clemson? I don't know, but you start dominating this conference and getting yourself into college football playoffs, you just never know. So I think from where we were when the announcements were first made, uh, what was it, last summer, two summers ago, whenever it was, uh, to now, I think we're in a much, much better place. I completely agree. And I think it's a huge opportunity for Oklahoma State to really jump up a level. And I want to get some quotes from Chad Weiberg and Mike Gundy here in a second. But just among these four schools that are joining – 
if you had to wager right now, if you're in Vegas, uh, a wager that says of the first of those schools that are joining, which one among those four would be the first to win the Big 12? If you had to wager, which of those four would you think could, could win the Big 12 in the future? Uh, I would go Cincinnati right now. I just I, I love Luke Fickle. I love what he's doing. I love that they were able to keep him this offseason whenever it looked like some other things were coming his way at Ohio State. Uh, you know, obviously Ohio State ended up not having an opening, but I, I thought that something could have happened there. And I, I still think he could leave in the future. But as long as Luke Fickle is there, I am confident and I am comfortable saying that that will be the best program of the four that entered the Big 12, at least while Luke Fickle is around. Yeah, I think, man, my my first inclination was to say BYU because they're, they're a tradition-rich kind of a national type brand. I mean, they're, they're going to bring the biggest stadium to the Big 12. That's how big their fan base is. Uh, it hasn't really mattered who their coach is. They're, they're up around 9, 10, 10 wins a year. They, they're coming off a 10-win season and an 11-win season. That was my first inclination, but I'm completely with you on Luke Fickle. I've been saying this for oh, two, three years that I think Luke Fickle, and I don't say this lightly, now, it'll, it's changing now that he's coming to the Big 12. It'll be a lot harder for him to win. But I think he is of the caliber of an Urban Meyer. I think he is going to be one of the big names in college football coaching for the next 10, 15 years. I think he, he might even end up at Ohio State if, if, if Day ends up leaving eventually. But I just think coaching, the head coach to me matters even more than the program of a BYU. So I, I'm going with Cincinnati as well but I would really give strong consideration to BYU. But I just, I believe in Luke Fickle. I think he is him and Mario Cristobal at Miami, I think are two of the biggest, best coaches that are out there that aren't quite in that, you know, the, the first, you know, five, six names you're going to reel off for best coaches in the country. I think they're, they're going to be considered that in the very, very near future. I think those are two guys that I've always thought were, were awesome. And now, of course, Cristobal's going back to where he played football at Miami. I think he's going to get them rolling. But I would probably go with Cincinnati, too. And, again, I, I, I want to ca- I provide the caveat that, you know, everyone thought, you know, TCU was winning 10-11 games going to Fiesta Bowls. And it got a lot harder coming to the Big 12. It gets a lot harder when you come to a Power 5 school. So I do think Cincinnati will have a tougher time. But that's certainly who I would wager on as well. Yeah, I think so, too. I do think you make a good point about, you know, Boise and coming over and doing things differently on it being a little bit tougher. But again, that's where I go back to Luke Fickle being key in this whole thing. We know how much coaching matters in college football. Boise State was really a good program until they lost Chris Peterson. And Chris Peterson walked out the door. And Boise State's still been good. They've been serviceable, but they haven't been what they were under Chris Peterson. So I think Luke Fickle is a major X factor for Cincinnati because even coming into the Big 12, if he were to leave, they're not replacing him with an equal caliber coach. Uh, So I think he's kind of the key for them. Yep, I would agree. Um, So, yeah, new look Big 12. And and one thing I wanted to talk about, Colby, like it just – it drives me crazy. And I was tweeting about this earlier this year – or earlier – yesterday it was. Like people keep saying, oh, well, Texas and Oklahoma, they're they're not in a rush to join the SEC because – you know, they just got Sarkeesian in there at Texas. Oklahoma's got a new coach. They're going to just wait it out because they they want to get, you know, firm footing before they jump to the SEC. Like, it is so much 
of a larger picture. They are not thinking of it in terms of win losses next year. They're thinking of one number and one number only, and it's not wins losses. It's $80 million per school. I know you and I have talked about this, Colby. I just want to reiterate this for people. Texas and Oklahoma went to the SEC for money, point blank, period. Now you can argue, yes, recruiting will improve, and the SEC is the, the power conference. We all know those things. But they're not looking at this saying, oh, well, we can wait now because we we're on, we have new head coaches. No, the, the reason they're not already there and the reason they will not be there until 2025, despite everyone just thinking, oh, well, they can negotiate a buyout. They can get it lesser. No, 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 no. Anyone that thinks that is severely underrating, one, the pettiness factor from the Big 12. They are angry at Oklahoma and Texas, and rightfully so. And they're not going to... <laughs> They are not going to cut them any deals on a buyout. It's either pay your 80 million or you play here until 2025. It's as simple as that. I just, I don't know about you, Colby. It, it just drives me crazy when people think Oklahoma and Texas are making a conscious choice to not go to the SEC. Far from it. Absolutely far from it. And it just, it drives me crazy when people just view it that, that short-sightedly. Yeah, no, it's all about the money, right? And if you've got the money and you want to pay the buyout, then go. Kick rocks. We're tired of you. But if you don't, then guess what? You get to stick around through the life of your contract, and the Big 12 gets to be a, a legit 14-team conference uh, for three years until you leave. You know, Brian Davis had the uh, report, I think it was Friday on Twitter, saying that now the football season of 2024 looks like the most likely option for OU in Texas. And again, I just don't know how much I'm buying it because that buyout uh, is just absolute insanity. Uh, by the way, Carson, you're an Austin guy. I got to see Daryl K. Royal Stadium for the first time this past weekend. It's I, I don't know really what I was expecting from Austin, but I guess I was a little bit surprised that I-35 just runs right through the middle of it. And the stadium is just I mean, it, it's a pitching wedge off of I-35. I was expecting it to be a, a little deeper in town, I guess. I, I don't know why that surprised me so much. Well, there's about as many fans there when you drove by as when the game kicks off at 11 a.m. from my experience. Yeah, I, I told my wife I really wish we would have been there on July 5th so that I could celebrate 7-5 with all the Texas fans. That'd be appropriate. Uh, and, and here's another quote, too, from Max Olson from The Athletic. He says, quote, the Big 12 just had a money distribution that was a really good number. Too many people benefit by just keeping Texas and Oklahoma in the conference until 2025. That's it. Like any, like what, where's the incentive for them to negotiate a buyout when Oklahoma and Texas are going to contribute to all this money, all the schools are getting. It's just, it's just wishful thinking from OU and Texas fans thinking they can leave early. And it's wishful thinking that, oh, well, we're just staying because we have a new coach and we're not quite ready to make the jump to the, that, that is nonsense. The big 12 is going to take your money until they, they can't anymore. Simple as that. And I, I can't wait, Colby, for the schedule to come out. Because you know, if the Big 12 has any cojones at all, and I think they do, you're sending Oklahoma and Texas to all those new schools right away, first year. Those are your road games. Have fun. Those are your road games. For year one, you're going to Cincinnati, you're going to Utah, and you're going to Florida. Don't even give them Houston. Don't even give them Houston. Make them go to West Virginia <laughs> as their other one. Exactly. I love that. But that, that's certainly what, what I expect to happen. And, again, I, I just think it's a great deal for the Big 12, and it'll be fun to 
Man, there's going to be some heated games knowing it's one of the last times you'll play Oklahoma and Texas, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, no doubt. That's going to be really intense. And I don't even know. It's kind of like last year, Carson. OSU won Bedlam, and it was, you know, enjoy the SEC. Uh, glad we could get the final shot. Well, that, that wasn't the parting shot. It wasn't even close. So now is this going to be like an every year thing where we're like, well, better win this one because it might be the last one. And then the, the same thing next year. Well, better win this one because it might be the last one. I hope it doesn't turn into that. I want to know when the last one is, and I want it to have those stakes on it uh, before us, particularly OU and OSU walk into the final bedlam. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And again, there was a, an article on ESPN uh, just talking about Oklahoma State. It was talking about programs that are poised to jump up an echelon in the world of college football. And Oklahoma State was one of those. I believe Michigan State with their new coach, Mel Tucker, who's done a decent job there so far. There were some interesting quotes from, from Chad Weiberg and, and Mike Gundy. And Chad says, quote, we've got to seize this opportunity. You cannot stand still because if you're standing still, you're getting passed. We know now, or we know that now's the time to lean in and keep moving forward. If you're looking at the step we had to take 20 years ago when the new stadium opened versus where we are now, I think comparatively speaking, it's not as big. We've taken the biggest steps. Now we've just got to, just got to keep taking the important steps. And Mike Gundy also said um, a lot of things about just reaching new donors, stuff, stuff you've mostly heard about. And just the, the overall sense I get is that they're in lockstep, Colby, and they view this new conference as, as a real opportunity to really capitalize on all of the things Mike Gundy's done over his almost 20 years at the helm as head coach. No, you're absolutely right. You're 100% right. Uh, and I, I don't know what it looks like going forward for those schools, for Oklahoma State, but I know in, in the interim, whenever we're in this kind of transition period, if you will, I mean, everybody Big 12-wise is, uh, is rooting against OU in Texas, just hoping that things go poorly for those schools because they've kind of been the bullies for a long time. And now you're on your way out the door. Uh, I hope the door doesn't hit you on the way out. Yep, I love it. So that's um, kind of the latest on the, the conference news and, and what's going on with, with Oklahoma State. And I tell you what, Colby, we're, we're, now that the spring sports have pretty much come to a close, like we're, we're going to be talking a lot more football and I'm, I'm getting really excited about the upcoming season. But Weiberg and Gundy talked a lot about facilities, recruiting, the NIL stuff. Uh, did you see this NIL deal with Oklahoma State? I didn't have this on a rundown, but like with the uh, the trading cards, have you seen this? I saw it, but I didn't actually click into it. I think I saw it in passing. Do you have more info for me? Yeah, I do. Um, I guess my first question is, are, are trading cards still a thing? Good. That's a great question. <laughs> I thought, I I thought no the idea. youngins just played on their iPads and didn't have trading cards. Uh, that must be new to me, but no, it's... Um, they signed a deal with Tops. It'll be a part of the largest ever collegiate NIL trading card program with Tops and Fanatics featuring licensed Oklahoma State cards of colleges, top student athletes. More details will be available this fall. But maybe I should have hung on to all my trading cards when I was a kid, Colby. Maybe, maybe they're making a comeback. But I thought that was a – look, just another example of Oklahoma State trying to, you know, keep up with the Joneses and maybe even – stay a step or two ahead of the competition. I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. No, I don't think it is either. I think, uh, you know, competition is good. And, uh, yeah, just whatever's best for Oklahoma State. So uh, I'm right there with you, Carson. Yep. Uh, let's talk a little golf. You've uh, been busy. Wait, first off, how was your trip to Austin? I didn't get to ask you about that. 
Uh, Trip Dawson was great. Had some fun. Great food. We uh, actually, the barbecue place we wanted to go to Friday night was closed. So we pivoted and the place we ended up was just kind of okay. Uh, good, but not great. But the Mexican food that we had on Saturday might be the best I've ever had. The salsa was so spicy. My wife couldn't eat it. I couldn't stop eating it. It was so, so good. And then the food was unbelievable. Uh, yeah, some great little fun bars. We found a bar that just has, you've probably been there, Carson. There's just like 15 ping pong tables in there. You been there? I don't think I've been there. What's it called? Uh, it's called Smash ATX, I believe. It's on 5th. So it's not on 6th Street. It's on 5th and Lavaca, I think, was the street. Uh, uh, awesome. Ton of fun. So, yeah, we had a blast. What was the uh, Mexican joint? Uh, Habanero Mexican Cafe is what it was called. It was just kind of a little hole in the wall. Uh, it was a little south, about a mile south of downtown. Those, those are the best ones. Now, there, there's so many places to eat. I've been going to Austin for years, so sounds like you had a good time. And uh, those road trips to Austin are going to be few and far between moving forward, so I'm glad you got down there before uh, the Longhorns leave town. Uh, U.S. Open, Colby. Uh, first off, Oklahoma State guys. Who do you like most amongst the Oklahoma State guys? I think Victor obviously would be up there. Taylor Gooch is playing some of the best golf of his career. Uh, Ricky's still trying. To, he's on the waiting list. He's going through the practice rounds, but he's still on the waiting list. Uh, who, who do you like the best among the Oklahoma State guys? Yeah, Carson, the thing is, I don't totally love any of them this week. Hovland is obviously the easy an easiest answer because he's the best player of the group, but he's really struggled in majors. No top 10 finishes in major championships, and I don't know how well uh, this course lends itself to Victor Hovland. Only course really with, with smaller greens than what they're going to see at Brookline is Pebble Beach. It's going to put a really strong emphasis on short game. Victor Hovland excels off the tee and out of the fairway, not so much around the green, so I don't know that it sets up well for him. The, the interesting thing with Taylor Gooch, you said it, he has been playing some of the best golf of his career. I'm very curious to see how the guys uh, who went to live, I'm very curious to see how they compartmentalize this week and try to block that all that talk and conversation and negativity, block all that out and go play golf, that's going to be a huge mental challenge uh, for, for Taylor Gooch and some of those other guys. So I, I would probably default to Hovland, but tell you the truth, I, I don't think any OSU guys finish uh, inside the top 10 or are really contending on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I one thing I did read about Victor, and it makes a lot of sense to me, is that this course at Brookline – there's far fewer like runoff areas where he'll be chipping off tight lies. He'll mostly be chipping out of the rough and around the green in the rough, which he's a lot better out of the rough than he is chipping off tight lies. So I do think there's an instance because, you know, he, he played amazing. He broke Jack Nicholas's record for uh, low am in a major at uh, Pebble beach. And we know how well he played there at Pebble beach in the USAM, but that kind of illustrates small greens, rough everywhere. He's able to play really well there. So I'm a little higher on him than most, but his, his around the green game is dead last on the PGA Tour, and it's gotten worse. I mean, it's always been a talking point with him. He famously said, I suck at chipping, but it's gotten even worse since then. It improved for a, little, for a few months, and now it's back to being dead last on the PGA Tour. So I'm probably with you there. I, I really like Taylor Gooch's chances this week to – maybe not win, but certainly top 20 and maybe even a, maybe even a top 10. I think he's just playing outstanding. This course kind of suits him. He's kind of a grinder. You know, he's, he's a 
he's one of the more accurate drivers you'll you'll see he's really good at clubbing down a three wood i i think it would be kind of a, a an interesting storyline with him jumping to live and being in contention but if i had to, to wager on low cowboy i would probably go with taylor gooch uh yeah i, I don't know i just he hasn't had any top tens and majors in his career either I just, I want to see it from these guys. I really want the OSU guys to be successful. They just haven't shown it to me. So it's hard for me to just go out and predict it whenever there are so many of the world's best. Strength of field this week was 841, which if you're a golf nerd and you get into strength of field stuff, it's just, it's the US Open. All the best players are there. Uh, I need to see it from a couple of these OSU guys. And then once I see it, then I can start to, to kind of get on board. Does the name Sam Stevens ring any bells for you? It does, yes. Shout out Sam Stevens for qualifying. So for people who don't know, and I I follow golf pretty dang close. I read Sam Stevens was on the 2018 Oklahoma State National Championship team. And I had to go look it up. I was like, no, he wasn't. Who who's Sam? I was thinking of the Stevens that's related to oh I think I was thinking of of Sam Saunders, or uh, I can't remember who I'm thinking of. Another I think SS you were thinking name. of Sam Saunders, Arn, uh, Arnold Palmer's grandson, right? That, that's the one. I, I was like, they're thinking of that guy, but no, this guy was on the 2018 Oklahoma State National Championship team. He didn't, he wasn't one of the five playing, but he has since lit it up on the Corn Ferry. He's made the last five cuts on the Corn Ferry tour. He's got six top 25s, and he qualified for the the Open. He'll be there. Uh, this week, uh, his grandfather, Johnny, played in the 1969 U.S. Open. So, so I, Colby, I don't think there's a, a greater advertisement to how loaded Oklahoma State golf is than a guy like this, who's clearly on the verge of making the PGA Tours, already qualified for the U.S. Open, didn't get to start on a national championship team from Oklahoma State. Now he's, he's playing awesome golf and is going to be in the field. So that's another name for, I think, our, our listeners to watch out for and you see his name pop up on the leaderboard no that's an osu guy yeah most definitely i think you know again if you're not a golf nerd like me and most people aren't you probably haven't been following sam stevens since he left oklahoma state there's a developmental tour uh kind of in this area the the mid southwest if you want to call it uh called the apt tour the all pro tour and for about two years uh it was referred to in in golf circles as the sam stevens tour I mean, he was just going out every week and obliterating these fields on the APT tour and, you know, making more money, getting more status and working his way up to the Corn Ferry on hopefully eventually the PGA Tour. So just absolutely thrilled to see Sam Stevens having such success uh, because it's been a grind for him since he left college. And you like to see somebody who's put in that much work kind of reap some of the benefits. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. And again, we'll have to wait and see if Ricky gets in at the last second. Doesn't appear like he will at this point. But um, I want to go through some picks here. I want to, I kind of want to do a sleeper, a top 10 lock, a obviously a winner, and someone who definitely won't win. And it has to be someone that's, you know, not a sleeper, probably 40, 50 to one or better odds. Uh, so who, who's your, uh, who's your sleeper? For the U.S. Open, Colby. My sleeper, Carson. I'm assuming we're going outside the top 25 in the world here. Yeah, you can even go by odds if you want. You know, probably someone 40, 50 to one or higher. All right. Uh, why don't I go down even lower, Carson? Why don't I go down even lower to the 85th ranked player in the deep world? Sleeper. Deep sleeper. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a deep sleeper, but he shouldn't be. He's not getting the respect he deserves. That is Davis riley davis riley is a ball striking machine his last five starts on the pga tour fifth t9 he finished tied for 13th at southern hills a few weeks ago at the pga championship t9 
T4 the week after. And then at the Memorial, he finishes T13. Five starts in a row, worst finish is T13, and he's an absolute uh, flusher of the golf ball. I will take Davis Riley emphatically as my dark horse this week. I, I have been putting him in my DraftKings lineups for weeks. I saw him at the PGA up in Tulsa, and you know he played at Alabama, and he was kind of the next JT, the next Justin Thomas coming out of Alabama. And he, he's a perfect example of an elite college player that much like Taylor Gooch, it took him some time to, to really get on the PGA tour and now start to make some, make a name for himself. Uh, people are about to learn his name because I'm right there with you. I, I think the secret's out on him because I think he's going to be one of the highest owned guys on DraftKings because it's his price is really low compared to all those finishes you referenced. But um I love that. I, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. I've got so many sleepers. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, um, God, I don't even know how deep to go on my board here. Can, can I guess who your sleeper is? Uh, you may. Yes. I think your sleeper is Cameron Young. He's on my card. I just, I feel like he's no longer a sleeper anymore. I think <laughs> a lot of people are on him. He's only 41 to he's, he's 41 to or 40 to one to, uh, to win. So he might be too he might be too high on the odds boards, but yeah, I have him on like every pool team I have. I'm gonna people people know this guy's name now after he should have won the PGA, but I'm going Mito Pereira. He's still 70, 80 to one around there. And Colby, I had one of the worst beats ever. I had a I had a ticket on him at like 300 to one for the PGA. And uh, that, that, that really, that really hurt, but uh, I'll go meet up Pereira. He played at Texas tech for one year. He's from Chile, just like uh, Joaquin Neiman, but he, where he thrives is bogey avoidance. And he's, he's just absolutely elite off the tee. And that just, that's the recipe in a U.S. open, a major bogey avoidance and picking up shots off the tee. Cause that's always so crucial, but I'll, I'll go meet Pereira and uh, hopefully he can redeem that, that loss we had together. Like we were hand in hand together. I was, I was probably the only person pulling for Mito Pereira on Sunday at the PJ instead of Justin Thomas and Wills Torres. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I like Mito uh, and I love that pick. I have him rostered in so many places this week, even after the PGA championship, he finished top 10 the next week and then finished top 15 at the Memorial. He's playing great golf uh, trivia for you. What's Mito Pereira's first name? Uh, Mito fur. <laughs> <laughs> Guillermo his name is Guillermo Pereira Hinky is his full name uh I have no idea where Mito came from that might be us I might do the English to Spanish uh translation Let's see what Google tells me yeah Guillermo uh, Mito means myth I believe uh, okay Mito means myth so he's like a, a mythical figure. Uh, that's my melatonin deep sleeper, although he's not deep sleeper anymore, as everybody knows his name now. But um, give me a top 10 lock. Top 10 lock. Carson, don't miss a layup. Rory McIlroy playing unbelievable golf right now, finished runner-up at the Masters. Uh, he was top 10 at the PGA Championship as well. He finished eighth that week at Southern Hills. Uh, t top 20 at the Memorial, even after a bad final round. Won the RBC Canadian Open last week. Rory McIlroy is playing the best golf that he has played in years. Uh, I think he's a lock to contend, uh, or pardon me, a lock to finish in the top 10. Uh, and I'd be really surprised if he's not one of the two or three guys battling it out on the back nine on Sunday to win the tournament. Yeah, like I've been so out on Rory in the majors over the last four or five, six years. 
Uh, I think I'm back. The way he's playing, it's just it's outrageous. And you know, everyone thinks of the driving with Rory, but really he's been the best player on tour around the green. He's he's a magician around the green. I think that's what that's one of the key things of this one. It's not your traditional bomb and gouge U.S. Open. So I, I like that pick, and he's certainly going to be popular. But uh, if you're going to wager on a top 10, there's few safer bets than that. I'm going to go with Shane Lowry from another another Irishman. Uh, I, I've been just hammering him on on DraftKings and, and golf outrights all year. And he's just – he's been right there. He was up there. He was top five at the Masters. Um, he was right there at the PGA, kind of faded a little late. I – Strokes gained per round since January. Scotty Scheffler and Rory are tied at the top, then JT, then Lowry and Rom. That's that's the class that Shane Lowry's in. He's not really viewed that way amongst the you know the masses, but Shane Lowry is one of the sh- one of the short names to to win this week. And I, I I like him better for a top ten than an outright. But I think if you're playing Kings or, or betting outrights, uh, Shane Lowry is someone I'm I'm just hammering. I like that pick. I've got him in a few places. Uh, not all over the place, but I've got him in a few places. I like that pick. What are we doing next? You want my winner or are we going elsewhere? Who definitely will not win amongst the favorites. Definitely will not win amongst the favorites. Now that is a good question. Uh, how about this? How about the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler? He has dipped recently. It's not a mega dip, but we see this a lot of times after guys win their first major championship. You win the first major, then you kind of fade a little bit. So he had four wins and six starts since he went T15 at the Byron Nelson, missed the cut at the PGA. Southern Hills, his favorite golf course. He did get on the bad end of the weather draw at Southern Hills. So a little bit of a pass there, but JT was in that same weather draw and won the tournament. Uh, runner up at Charles Schwab, T18 last week at the RBC Canadian Open. I expect another very average week from Scotty Scheffler, who has cooled significantly from that massive heater he was on earlier this season. Yeah, I really like him this week. I think I kind of <laughs> I like him even more now that people are kind of off him. I really do. I okay. Mean, I, I uh, I'm definitely playing him a lot <laughs> this week because people are kind of. He's only going to be about 10% be owned he's, on draft. He's the number one player in the world for a reason. I could easily be wrong about that one. I mean, he's only going to be about 10% owned, 12% owned on DraftKings, which wow. his price is so high. Uh, but, you know, my pick who definitely will not win, and he's going to be rostered by probably everyone, is Xander, Xander Schauffele. And look, he's finished. <laughs> he's only played in the U.S. Open five times, and he's finished in the top seven all five times. Now, that's obviously – unheard of it's 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 truly elite but do you know what his average uh strokes behind the lead going into sunday is over that span oh i'm gonna guess seven or eight 5.6 still not still not close enough he's the king of the back door he's the guy that you want to pick to win because man look at all this look at all these top tens he's had at the u.s open he's great in majors and all that's true but he definitely won't win he doesn't win the only tournaments he wins are those those uh what do you call they're not opposite field events but they're those you know he won as like the tour championship what do you call those fields colby uh what's that now the the tour championship type stuff yeah like he won the um he won the team event he won the the mythical leaderboard of the tour championship where he starts <laughs> oh, out with yeah. strokes he he won oh limited fields that's the word yeah I'm, li- limited field no cut events he's great in yes. a limited field no cut event yes so Look, Xander's going to be popular, and rightfully so, but he's definitely not going to win. That's my pick. 
Uh, yeah, I like that one. He he hangs around but doesn't win. Uh, I'm a little bullish on Finau this week, kind of finding some form. Uh, I also like Zalatoris. Zalatoris top 10 at both the majors this year, ball striking machine. And for whatever reason, Carson, I can't make sense of it. There are no stats to back it up. Uh, he just puts better in majors. It, it's I don't know if it's a different stroke, a different level of, of focus. I don't know, but I like Zalatoris this week as well. He's the new, he's the new Brooks, you know, the guy that just when it comes around major time, you just, you just blindly bet on him. He's, he's the new Brooks. Brooks has kind of faded in majors lately. I think Zalatoris is the new guy. Just, you, you just, you close your eyes when he's putting and don't watch, but he's going to be in the top 10. I'm, I'm right there with you. So who, who's your pick to win? Uh, Carson, I, I kind of hinted at it earlier. I've tried, I've looked, I've searched for any reason to not pick the betting favorite to win this week because I don't like to pick the betting favorite, but I just keep coming back to Rory. I just keep coming back to him, watching him in that final round last week and really all week at Canada. He started to hit some softer armed wedges. Again, for the non-golf nerds out there, you go as hard as you can at a wedge, and that's when these guys put 30 feet of, feet of spin on the ball and spin it back off the front of the green. That's what Rory's been doing for years. Uh, I think the uh, the best way I can put it for everyone to understand, he's controlling his spin with his wedges better than I've seen him in a long, long time, probably since he was winning majors. I think it is finally time. Eight years without a major championship is way too long for a player of Rory for a player of Rory McIlroy's caliber. I think he gets it done this week finally, Carson. That'd be fun. And I do think the live stuff has kind of lit a fire under him. Him and JT were in the, you know, the final pairing last week at the Canadian Open. I, um, I really like Rory and I, I just, he's grown on me so much. Just he's the most eloquent professional athlete we have today. And he'd be, he'd be a great champ. I'm going with the, uh, the guy he played against. I'm going with Justin Thomas. I think this course, you have to be creative. I just think he has a little bit more creativity and shot shaping ability than does Rory. But I think both those two are going to be top five. So I'm going JT. I think he wins back-to-back -back majors and really jumps up a level in, in the history of the game. Yeah, I like it. We, uh, what are we at? Bullets and BBs? Because I've got some. Bullets and BB time. What do you got this week for Bullets and BBs, Colby? Bullets and BBs. Carson, I'm giving a bullet to the Big 12 Conference. We talked about it pretty extensively at the start of the show. Uh, kind of a, a resurrection for the Big 12. I, I thought it was dead a couple of years ago, and now I think the Big 12 is in a strong place moving forward. Going to add those teams sooner rather than later and make OU and Texas either stick around or pay a boatload of money to get out. So uh, considering the conversations that were had in the week following the uh, the OU and Texas news, the Big 12 has handled it much better than I could have imagined, uh, and I'm pleased with the direction of the conference. So the Big 12 gets my bullet today. Love it. Uh, love that a lot. Excited about the future of the Big 12. I'm going to go with Mike Boynton. That's gold medalist Mike Boynton to you, Colby. He helped coach the uh, Team USA under-18 team and also got to spend some quality time with a highly touted recruit that Oklahoma State's after, Brandon Garrison, who's from Dell City, Oklahoma. Uh, so it's it's always cool to represent your country. And, and Mike Gun or Mike Gundy, Mike Boynton had a really good quote. He said, "Quote: I've never had an experience quite like it to be able to represent our country on an international stage like that and then do it well. One of the more special moments of my athletic career. So so pretty cool for for Mike Boynton. And look, coaching Team USA against the world's a pretty great." a pretty great job in basketball <laughs> you're probably going to win a gold medal but he certainly deserves credit for doing so and that's got to be a cool thing to add to his trophy case 
Yeah, it most definitely is. I uh, I thought about that one, but figured you were going that route, so went ahead and pivoted. For my uh, my BB Carson, I'm going to give it to injuries, and we're going to talk about another Carson, and that's Chris Carson. Chris Carson, man, he's been dealt a bad hand with injuries. He's been really good with the Seahawks. Pete Carroll called him one of his favorite Seahawks ever, loves what he stands for, brings, um, but it looks like his career in the NFL could be in, in serious uh, jeopardy. He had a neck injury that required surgery this past season. He only played in four games. Uh, injuries are getting my BB Carson because uh, a guy like Chris Carson, who's worked incredibly hard to be a productive back in the NFL, uh, and it appears that he might have what's left of his season robbed from him by an injury. Uh, that's just the nature of the beast, but it's never fun. Hopefully he bounces back. Injuries get my BB. Yeah, that stinks. And End injuries, ban injuries. I, <laughs> I hate that. Uh, but you got to say this, though, like, man, for, for Chris Carson as a seventh round pick, he had an amazing career. If, if it is, if he, if he does have to call it a career, I mean, he's rushed for 3,500 yards. Uh, I mean, seven receiving touchdowns, 24 rushing touchdowns. That's better than a lot of, a lot of draft picks taken before the seventh round. So you got to commend him. Um, at least give him a bullet for that. He had a, he had a really good really good career being a seventh round draft pick, and it's been fun watching him. Hopefully he can recover. But yeah, that's a good that's a good BB. Mine is going for the soft, and I mean soft Texas Longhorn fans that are offended by the horns down sign. Apparently, this guy named Zach Collier, who's a Texas A and M grad, he sang the national anthem at the. College World Series, Women's College World Series, and flash the horns down. He's now been banned for from from singing at the at the College World Series. And Texas A&M's playing at the men's. He was going to sing at the men's, but they banned him from that. And so, again, I don't understand why people get so triggered. And I say people, I mean the conference and Texas fans about the horns down. It should be a compliment. Like if I'm if I'm in Texas Longhorn fan and I see OU fans when they're not even playing Texas flashing the horns down I take that as a compliment like we're living in your head rent free you're thinking about us while you're playing someone else and Sam Ellinger had this hilarious tweet uh, a year or so ago saying I remember every single team player that disrespects the rich tradition of the University of Texas by putting the horns down do not think it will be forgotten in the future like could you be any softer it just it's amazing to me and I, I think it's an absolute joke this guy was banned for doing it come on yeah no I think so too that just goes back to what we've been saying about Texas and horns down for years they uh they take themselves a little bit too seriously Carson they take everything a little bit too seriously it's supposed to be fun a little friendly trash talk that's fun uh you know stool water all that stuff horns down it's just it's college rivalries it's fun if you let it be. It's only, you know, it's only a bad thing if uh, if you take everything too seriously, which Texas fans do. So I think that's a great BB, Carson. Yep, I love it. Uh, Colby, it was good talking golf with you. Anything else before we get out of here? I uh, don't believe so. Uh, I hope I will let you guys play well this week. I didn't pick them, but uh, I hope they play well. As always, Carson, go Pokes. <laughs>